Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Welcome to Three Yards Per Caddy, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon. And we're on, and welcome to the sixth season of Three Yards Per Carry. I'm Alfredo Artiaga, Simon Clancy is here. In the second half of the show, we'll have Chris Kaufman. And as always, this show is brought to you by Price Picks. Use promo code 5FIVE. You deposit $100, you get $100 one time rollover, which means if you bet it through once, you get $100. It's essentially a free $100. Just take it. And of course, betteredge.com. Go to betteredge.com slash the number five reasons and you get $25 just for signing up. Hello, Simon. Hello, Alf. How are you? It's been it's been five years, and this is the start of our sixth season of three yards per carry. Um, we only have one playoff appearance to show for it, which is <laughs> kind of sad. But hopefully we're gonna have many going forward. We're gonna break down the offensive roster on this show but first comment on that it's it's our sixth season yeah and it, uh, i mean people will notice that it's just me and you and obviously chris has cried off from from coming on again because uh he obviously has an issue no honestly the <laughs> some people have been messaging going do uh, have, have you and chris fallen out <laughs> nothing could be further than the truth the the actual fact is and i'd imagine some people that are on uh that are on our discord channel uh, and you can join up at um only fins just search our pin tweet on on our at three ypc twitter account um for Alf, do you know how much it is three dollars a year a minute i mean no no it's a day a month three dollars a month so 36 dollars a year yeah, which was a cost of living crisis going on, and it's three dollars a month. Yes, that is incredible for, for for Red Hot Dolphins news and conversation, intelligent conversation. Yes, yeah, and you get and the best part about it is that you get to go away from Twitter, and you get well, like full draft breakdowns of individual players that the Dolphins are interested in, including videos. Yes, and up to date news that uh, other people rip off on on Twitter and turn it as their own, as far as oh. on free agency and signings and and whatnot. Yes. That's incredible for three dollars so, yeah. a day, yeah. Yeah, no, no, three dollars a month. You get wow. billed every month. If you sign up on the twentieth, you'll get billed on the twentieth the following month. So right. you're also right. not getting ripped off, you know, for a few extra days or a few extra dollars. So whenever you sign up, your cycle starts right there, and you get and you get charged every single month on that day, three dollars a month. Go do right. it. So anyway, back to my point, which was that. So how this podcast works is that we record every, usually during the season, every Monday and every Thursday evening, at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, but midnight here in the UK. And sometimes we're on till 1.30 in the morning. And sometimes I just can't do that twice a week. Um, and now that the season's finished, I am absolutely exhausted from Sunday night football, Monday night football, Thursday night football, plus 
staying up doing podcasts etc etc so and also we all have lives we all have families wives girlfriends children which means that it's not always easy for the three of us to to converge at the same point in time so hence why um it's now what time is it? it's 4 15 in the afternoon in the uk so it must be 11 15 in the morning for you out but chris yes. can't do till, till eight o'clock tonight us time which would be what one o'clock in the morning for me which would mean 2 a.m 2 15 finish potentially which i just can't do two days after staying up till four o'clock in the morning watching the super bowl because i'm not young anymore so that is the reason why sometimes we are separated but don't worry you can always move to the states simon I mean, I could do if you're if you're going to pay for the relocation fees and fly my kids over every week, then that would be cool. Let me know. Let me know when I can expect the check. <laughs> yeah. All right. So we're gonna we're gonna break down the offensive roster of the Miami Dolphins. Needless to say, there's not going to be many changes as far as the breakdown and their cap dollars and their allocations. Okay, twenty players, fifty point three percent of the of the cap, which is just meticulous bookkeeping. Okay, if there's one thing this Dolphin team has, Chris Greer and Brandon Shore, they've done such a they've done a magnificent magnificent job as far as keeping the cap in line. They're 14th in offensive expenditure. Uh, let's play a little game. Do you know who's number one in offensive expenditure? Although it's kind of skewed because they're losing a quarterback. Uh, the Raiders? Nah, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They spent 76 uh, percent of their cap on the offense. Wow, that's mad. Like, that's not right, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, do you know for next season who's number one in offensive expenditure? Uh, and that's already confirmed for next season. I don't know. Cleveland Browns. Well, of course. They have a very, very expensive that's, quarterback. They're spending 60, 68% of their cap on offense. So the Dolphins are in a really good spot. Maybe, they, maybe they're going to skew it a little bit. I guess that's a good question right there because they're they're going to be right now at fifty point three percent of the cap. Do you think that skews one way or the other this coming season? Well, I suspect it'll skew slightly more because they've got the fifth year option to take up on on tour, which I, I strongly suggest that they should and w- will do. Which I think kicks his number to twenty one point three million. Is that right? Twenty three and change, I believe. Twenty three and change, right? Well, the same ballpark. So uh, I suspect that's that will kick it. Uh, a little bit. You obviously take your Mike Gasicki's number off because um so I think it'll probably be in that 55% area. Although obviously, you know, some some interesting decisions forthcoming on defense over a couple of players, specifically Byron Jones, who actually if he stayed would make the rebuild in inverted commas of the secondary significantly easier. Emmanuel Ogba, another, obviously with the improved play uh and bordering on, you know, superstar status really of Jalen Phillips and you got you got Chubb and you know, do you bring back Melvin Ingram? You've got Andrew Van Ginkel's a free agent, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So, you know, it is Emmanuel Ogba a luxury? Uh, I think he's a good player and he, he does something different. He plays the run really well. I would keep him around, but potentially not at that number. Um and you wonder if a guy coming off the injury that he had, barely playing all season, is going to get close to that number or even a reduced number somewhere else. I mean, pass rushers who can get 10 sacks a season, can play the run well, can get their hands on 10, 12 batted balls, are not particularly easy to come by. So we shall see. But yeah, I'd say it'll pr- pretty much stay around the same number. Yeah, and if and if people are curious about the two Super Bowl combatants, uh, the Chiefs, the winners, they were 18th in offensive expenditure for next season. They're at 49%, but that is that number skewed because they have five free agents 
that they're going to have to deal with yeah. on the offensive Including side of the left, ball. Left tackle is is a free agent, Orlando Brown. So like that number should get into the fifty five percent area as well. Yeah, one number that is not is the Eagles. They're twenty sixth. They got twenty three players under contract on offense, so that's the entire offense. And they spent. They're going to spend forty point seven percent. So their money yeah. is spent on defense. Interesting though, but because they've obviously got big deals coming up with Hurts, Miles Sanders is a free agent. Um, yeah, Jalen Hurts is going to be want to be paid as you know he was second in the MVP race, so he's going to want to be paid as a top three quarterback, and and why shouldn't he? Um, down the down the road, you've got a big deal coming up for Devonta Smith. Um, and then that offensive line, big deal coming up soon for Jordan Jordan Mailata. You know, when you're a top three, top five left tackle in the league. Um, Jason Kelsey, what's he doing? Landon Dickerson is only, what, two years away from being out of contract. And he's, you know, fantastic. I think Lane Johnson's relatively middle of the road in terms of through the through the numbers of his contract. I think he's probably halfway through his new deal. But yeah, I mean, that, that will skew fairly, fairly dramatically because I would imagine they'll look to give Jaden Hurts a new contract sooner rather than later because if he comes in next year and leads the Eagles to another Super Bowl and plays close to an MVP level, that number's only going to go up. So, so yeah, interesting times. Yeah, so in other words, the, the Dolphins are in pretty good shape as far as what they can do with the cap on the offensive side of the ball. They can start allocating money elsewhere if they want to. Let's get started with the quarterbacks. Uh, we kind of know who's going to be playing on the fourth year of his deal. Tua Tonga Valoa, he'll be QB1. And I'm we're we're all pretty certain that Teddy Bridgewater will be replaced. Like that's yeah, not a doubt. 100%. Okay. Now, Skylar Thompson's on the on the roster. I don't think you want to admit defeat if you're Chris Greer and Mike McDaniel. But doesn't it kind of defeat the purpose? Like you want to we wanted to be sitting here right now talking about we are set. Skylar Thompson can play. Did you remember? Did you see that game he played in Buffalo? But no, uh, I don't. I don't think he's shown enough to ha- be handed QB two. No, and he shouldn't be. But I do think that the Dolphins, whilst Tua is their quarterback, will always carry three QBs, simply because I just don't think you can risk, you know, a, a situation where Tua gets hurt. Because you know, unfortunately, that's been his MO really since his second season in Alabama. Um, and I don't think that I don't think that's ever going to change. Um, so you kind of need that insurance blanket. And Thompson's been an interesting insurance blanket in terms of you know played okay at times. Actually played pretty well against Minnesota before he got hurt. Had moments against Buffalo um, where he played okay. Um, other moments where he didn't didn't play as well. But for a seventh round rookie, third string quarterback, you know he's okay. But I would absolutely be looking at bringing in. Uh, a good standard, um, a good level of number two quarterback who you know is going to play probably, uh, and also you know is somebody that you can rely on to win some games uh, in that period. And for me, you look at someone like Washington's Taylor Heineke, who's a free agent, mm-hmm. can run this offense, got a quick release, got a decent arm, is mobile, can make plays with his feet. Um, I think Heineke now, you know, you have to question whether or not Heineke feels like he might be able to get a starting job somewhere. And, you know, that is a possibility. But to me, that is the guy that I would be absolutely case Keenum is another guy up in Buffalo. Uh, but for me, Heineke would be the absolute guy that I would bring in. Now, the question with that will be is that Heineke will probably be making more money per year than Tua currently is. Um, yes. <laughs> so, you know, but obviously we have the we have the the fifth year option that will probably play into that, but you know there will come a point. I don't know when free agency starts. Um, 
March thirteenth, and, and we're gonna yeah. do shows. We're gonna do shows on all these positions, and we're gonna be we're gonna be able to debate. But it'll um, be interesting because the, if they do sign Heineke, there will be a, a eight day period. If the Dolphins take or a ten day period, if the Dolphins do take up the offer of um, the fifth year option for two, where Heineke will be paid more than the, the the number one quarterback, or you know whoever is the backup. But I I definitely think they'll go out and sign a a backup who they know can come in and potentially win four, five, six games. Yeah, although the deadline play that. Yeah, the deadline is the last day of April. Is the deadline to to give uh, two of the the fifth oh, year right, option? Okay, so it runs through that entire period. Okay, yeah, so it goes be... through the draft right into the OTAs. Okay. So there'll be a six week period then, where, yeah. where and if you and if the Dolphins' mo is is to be followed, they they took the fifth year option on Mike uh, Mike Kosecki. I was going to say Mike Kosecki. I have him on the brain because we're going to talk tight ends in a little bit. Christian uh, Wilkins. They took they took the fifth year option on the very last day, the very last hour. So it seems to be something that the team does. Like they'll wait to the very last second. It must be an insurance thing or or something like that. You know that why you would want to do it at the very last moment. So I would expect that it happens for for Tua the last day of April. Yeah, it'll definitely happen. I mean, I can't see a single scenario where. Yeah, uh, although I do have a little bit of news, and I've I was told unequivocally, forget about Jimmy uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. That's not happening under any circumstances because yeah. he he has his that. eyes on a starting job somewhere yeah, for a lot more money than we will be able to pay. Yeah. And to be fair, I think that's the situation that they might find themselves in with Heineke as well. I, I, you know, I think he's a you know a potential starting quarterback. But it will be. Interesting I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this free agent show right now. But no, does no, no, Mitchell, sure. Mitchell I, Trubisky I, do anything for you? Not really. Okay, so that's a preview of a show of ours for next week. There you go. Okay, I think he's going to be available. I think he's going to be one of the hotter names for backup quarterback. So I don't know. It's up to. It's going to be up to Mike McDaniel. He'll pick the the backup quarterback. Yeah, absolutely. All right, moving on to the running backs. Alec Engel's under contract. I don't think we have to talk too much about it. He's the starting fullback next year. He'll play a lot of snaps. He'll play well. He played really well this past season. He was terrific. He was terrific. So, yeah, I don't think we have to talk too much about him, but we do have to talk about the running backs because if we had to play a game tomorrow, we don't have any running backs. So, yeah. Like there's yeah, none. None are, none are on the roster. All of them are free agents. Yeah. Although Savan yeah. Ahmed, you can put a, 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 a tag on. Yeah. I mean, I think they'll definitely bring back Wilson and Mostert. Um, Mostert played well. Wilson played well when he came in. Um, Ahmed played well when he was given the opportunity, but does he do enough? I think Gaskin's probably gone. I think they might bring in a free agent running back and I think they'll definitely draft a back, you know, and the running back draft is so deep. You know, people talk about you have to get B. John Robertson, you have to get Jameer Gibbs or Zach Charbonnet or, but actually you go down and, you know, even last night and this morning, I was just doing some work on Israel, a, a, a Banikander of, of Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. An absolutely perfect scheme fit, 5'11", 215 pounds. It was a 4'3", run a 10'56", 100 metres, um, two-time state 100 metre champion. So, uh, I think he would be a very you know, catches the ball well. He would be a perfect scheme fit in that second or third round. But they will definitely add players into that mix. Um, most at the wrong side of thirty, obviously trading with Jeff Wilson. He's reliable. He's well liked. He does everything that that the coach wants him to do. Um, good locker room presence. But I think um, I would expect to see two new names added to that to that mix, especially for a guy who who you know didn't always seem it last year, but who does value the run the way that Mike McDaniel does. Absolutely. Uh, I completely agree with you. And uh, I would add on, I think Savan Ahmed, you tag, you, you tag him immediately. Uh, you, I don't know. 
if you tender him, like like what's the tender that's available for Savan Akbar right now? What, was he was he a seventh round pick or a, was he an undrafted free agent? The he's 49ers? an undrafted free agent uh, for them yeah. from the 49ers. Yeah, so it's it's not high. It's not high. So 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 conceivably he could be elsewhere because we won't compete for his services. But I would like to bring him back. I think he he performed well every time he was asked. Every time he's like he made a no, noticeable play every time he played. And if we know something about this team is that they dressed three running backs every single week and a fullback. So that's four guys. Yeah. So they're going to need one. Uh, I think Savon Ackman, and if you remember last year in, in training camp, they had six running backs and they started paring it down. Uh, if you remember, Sony Michelle was on the on the roster. So, you know, I, I think Savon Ackman makes it onto the team. You agree, right? Yeah. Um... <clears throat> I think... Um... I think it's 50-50, quite frankly. But it's probably, you know, it it depends what money you're having to allocate elsewhere because you know that he can do a job. Um, but, you know, there are kids in the draft that you would bring in where you'd say, you know, and I don't just mean the Banacanda, but, you know, Devin A. Chain at Texas, there's, mm. there's five or six running backs that you could easily target up and down the board. You know, you go and look at the kid at Youngstown State who they were all over at the Shrine, um, bowl 4-3 guy, undersized, but, you know, that's the sort of, you know, you look at the the impact that Isaiah Pacheco had for the Chiefs. They're looking for that kind of guy. Jarrett McKinnon is another free agent who obviously knows McDaniel well and played with him at the 49ers. Free agent coming out of Kansas City there. So um, it will be interesting to see what happens, especially with McKinnon, uh, McKinnon's ability in pass protection, which is absolutely outstanding. So um, I, I'm not sold that Ahmed makes the team, but it just depends on, you know, how much money we're spending, say, for example, on a backup quarterback. Mm-hmm. Moving on to the wide receivers, you wouldn't think that you have uh, a lot to do with the wide receiver room, but they actually do. Uh, Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill are the fixtures, and you're paying Cedric Wilson. He's under contract, unless you can trade him. But I don't know how many people, you know, may- maybe you'll get something like a six-round pick for Cedric Wilson. He's a useful player. I thought he was underutilized for Miami. And you, ca- and you kind of, you know, you kind of have to see what you have in Eric Azucama. But they have two notable free agents, two guys that performed very well this year. River Craycraft and Trent Sherfield are both free agents. I think Trent Sherfield, you just have to bring this guy back. He was instrumental to this offense. You agree? Yeah, I mean, he is the number one free agent target for the Dolphins in terms of re-signing their own guys. For me, he's vitally important. You know, we talk, we've talked about it, what he did during camp uh, in terms of teaching the tight ends how to block. He was big. Uh, he was He's one of the the premier blocking receivers in the league. When he was given his opportunity as a receiver, he never failed to deliver. He made big catches in the short, medium, deep down the field. He took, you know, short throws and went to the house, as we saw. Uh, I just think he's absolutely vital. He's a really good number three receiver. He's a good target. He can post up. He boxes up. Uh, he'll go up and get the ball. He's got excellent hands. Uh, and like I said, he's a great blocker. I just don't see any re- I just don't see any scenario in which they don't bring him back. Craig Craft, slightly different. You know, uh, he knows the scheme. He knows the system. Coach knows him well. Is he good enough to keep a roster spot? He'll certainly be in a battle because I don't think they won't. You know, I think they'll certainly bring receivers in. I like Cedric Wilson. And and I think the Cedric Wilson issue actually strikes to the heart of something that was a real problem with the offense, which was we had a real targeting problem. I I think we over-targeted and we became too over-reliant on on Hill and Waddle. Um, Mm. Uh, and especially on Hill. 
Um, and I think that has to change. And I think that Cedric Wilson, who obviously suffered quite significantly with that, with those broken ribs um, for a number of weeks and anybody that's ever had a broken rib, you mm. know, go and play in the NFL and have 300 pound men running into you with a broken rib. It, that is not fun. That's not things that, you know, that's not on my bucket list. Um, so yeah, I am. Um, I think that um, Wilson, I would keep him. Um Ezukama is an interesting one. They clearly like him, but he feels like he's an awful long way off from making any sort of significant contribution. Um, sort of in hindsight, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, but it does feel a little bit like a wasted pick, um, especially with a guy coming into a system that's so complex uh, and who literally, you know, had no real understanding of a, of a route tree, had no real, you know, he was never even in a huddle. You know, he wasn't in a huddle even from his junior year of high school through to his final year at Texas Tech. You know, this is a guy who literally, after every play, went and lined up in his spot, pretty much the same spot, and got, you know, turned to the sideline and watched watched the play come in from the sideline. So, you know, this is a, it's a giant step for him. And, you know, he has an awful long way to go. Uh, you know, he's big, he's physical, he looked good in the preseason, he looked good in camp. But it's very different to get out there in the games, and and he will be challenged as well. I think, um, in terms of you know getting a roster spot. But for me, the first three are absolutely nailed on secure, and I would do everything I could to keep Cedric Wilson because he can bring an awful lot to an offense when he's healthy, and he's uh, you know as he showed in the playoffs, he's got return value too. Yeah, and Cedric Wilson's a guy. Uh, you know, you kind of need that guy because you don't have guys that win. You know, vertically. Not, and he's yeah, exactly, and. You saw it in that game, the second game against Buffalo in the snow. The the score is tied, and we're driving down. And on third and six, Tua throws a fade to Cedric Wilson. Cedric Wilson jumps over to Ron Johnson, 40-yard gain. Yeah. Uh, like, that's something that you kind of need on this roster. And then, of course, he was Johnny on the spot with the punt return in the playoffs that set up their, their second touchdown. So I will keep him. Uh, the only concern is his contract. I'm pretty sure they want to use that money somewhere else. So they'll try to work something in there, maybe even restructure and add on a year to his deal. I think that's a possibility. He's young enough that, you know, you can make long-term plans with him as far as being a, a player on this team. But it, it could also be up to him. Like, he could also be looking at the writing on the wall and saying, look, I don't know where I'm going to get the ball here with Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill. So, you know, maybe I want to go elsewhere. And if you could trade me somewhere else where I could get my target share increased and I can make more money down the road on my second contract, Maybe that's something you could accommodate. So I would watch Cedric Wilson as far as a trade target, as a trade option. I'm just not and, sure what the return value is. Do you know what I mean? Yes. You like know, you're going to get, get a sixth round pick. Like that's you know that's yeah. what you're going to get. I mean, the no. guy to keep an eye out. The guy that they really like is Braylon Sanders. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the kid that they picked up, the undrafted free agent out of Ole Miss. I mean, I think he's significantly higher up the food chain than Ezukana. Uh, do you know what I mean? In terms yeah. of what they think about him and uh, and what they like. Um, so he will be, um, that's an interesting guy, um, you know, to watch. All right, moving on to the offensive line. Everybody's under contract except Greg Little, Eric Fisher, who I'm told they want back. Jerron Christian, who we didn't see play, I don't believe. And Brandon Shell, Kendall Lamb are also free agents. And Michael Dieter is a free agent, but he can be tagged. Um, your thoughts on the free agents, uh, Eric Fisher, I have it on pretty good. It's a pretty good source yeah. that they want, they want him back. And it kind of makes sense. Uh, cause if not, it was the, the worst laundering uh, money laundering scheme in the history of money laundering to yeah. pay him $3 million for a month 
<laughs> they need to sort out their backups. You know, Christian, you know, I wouldn't keep. Fisher, you know, he I thought he was an interesting signing and was a, you know, was still a decent player or semi-decent player when he was, you know, when he was at Indy. I thought Kendall Lamb, of all the backups, his tape against New England uh, on the road in week 17, I thought was outstanding until he got injured at left tackle. He's better than Greg Little. He's better than Liam Eikenberg. He's better than Austin Jackson at left tackle. I would absolutely make Kendall Lamb a priority to re-sign. Um, I thought he played well. Brandon Shell, I thought he did a decent job. I think he's probably a good backup. You know, somebody that you can reliably have as a backup right tackle in this league. Um, Greg Little, uh, you know, the, the train is leaving the station for me on Greg Little. You know, I think he was outplayed by Lamb. They clearly like his size. You know, he, I just don't think he's ever going to get it. This is what year four for him now mm-hmm. um you know this is a five-star kid he was a th- second round pick 37th overall pick uh, i just don't think he's played up to played up to the level and i don't really think you know drafted in 2019 what we're about to go into the 2023 season I- i'm just not sold that he's all of a sudden just going to turn into something that he isn't you know i think if he looks like a duck and he walks like a duck then he's a duck and you know i think if you can upgrade that through the draft or hit on some guys lower around and lower down in free agency then then you do that Dieter, he's a backup center slash backup guard he's reliable he's not moving any needles he's not pulling up any trees for me you're but... not gonna go too far to resign him though right no like, exactly like, like that that's the type of guy that you bring into the conference room and you just slide over the contract a one-year deal and tell him yeah. sign it <laughs> One year deal is it, it's pretty much league minimum, and and he signs it, and then you know you, you then go into the guys. You know, Armstead obviously is an elite left tackle when he's healthy, but you know when he's healthy, and and, and therefore Miami has to shore up that position. Whether that is Kendall Lamb or somebody else, they have to have an insurance policy. Mm-hmm. You know, because we know that Armstead was told that he was advised to to go on injured reserve for the entire season after week one. You know, that would have been an absolute nightmare. Um, <laughs> yes, it would have. Yeah, yeah, questions to be asked about Austin Jackson. Is he good enough? Is he healthy enough? Where is his best position? It's not left tackle. Is it right tackle? Does he go back to guard? Do we just cut him? Uh, you know, I, I think if the Dolphins had more draft picks and a little bit more cap room, I think he'd be gone. Um, Hunt is a really good player. He's a really solid player. Connor Williams is a really good player. Both those are absolute keepers. I think the interesting question for me is whether or not you move Connor Williams back to guard, left guard, and you draft a centre or you bring in a centre, or whether mm. or not you just, you just know that you've got one of the top six or seven centres in the league and you, you just stick with that. And then similarly, the question with Robert Jones is does he does he stay at right guard, where he's a you know very solid upper echelon right guard in this league, or do you bump him out to right tackle? Um, Robert Jones is the other guy in the mix. I think he's fine as a backup. Again, not and under contract, it. by the way. Yeah, not pulling up any trees. Um, Kyle Smith is the other guy, but again, you know, he is that that is bottom of the roster churning. Lester Cotton, similarly, the kid from Alabama, played some snaps. He played okay actually mm-hmm. um, against Buffalo in the playoffs. Yeah, and he, and he, he kept asking Teron Armstead, "What are we doing on this play?" <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's only been in the building about twenty minutes before. <laughs> yeah playing, so. but yeah I, i'm I'm completely with you you, you want to have a little bit of redundancy there but i thought teron armstead's uh, initial season here you know you get what you pay for when, when he when he signed his contract we kept staring at each other like that's all that teron armstead got because we thought he was going to get somewhere around 22 million dollars a year 24 million dollars a year and challenged trent williams but no he, he got um i guess a meager contract for the talent that he is but you actually get what you pay for right because yeah. well, I mean, you know 40, he's going to play 14 games. He's not going to play 17. 
43 million guaranteed over five years is it so yeah it's it's, what's that it's about 75 percent of what trent williams is making yeah i mean you know so and i think he's in that class teron armstead has some games i mean it averages out 8.6 a year over his guaranteed money so i mean that's insane yeah so it's a it's a good deal like it's you know it's a very team-friendly deal and And he's never hitting all of those those bonuses which are i'm sure are related to playing time yes absolutely and that's probably why he played and i thought he played magnificently he was uh he was on the short list of mvp for this team in my opinion yeah um his game against uh, von miller his game against miles garrett spectacular stuff just great stuff legendary stuff uh completely erased those guys those guys are all pros um interesting to note or or not butch barry the much maligned butch barry his crowning achievement at Central Michigan, Eric Fisher. <laughs> so, yeah, indeed. Indeed. so maybe that was done in mind at the time. Maybe they they were thinking this through a while ago. Uh, interesting, nonetheless. I, I think Eric Fisher. They they try to bring him back. Moving on to the tight ends. Uh, my, uh, you know, it's it's a shame, but Mike Gesicki will be elsewhere. That's a fact, right? Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Uh, you know, it's kind of interesting to where is he going to show up, right? Like, because he's kind of he doesn't fit a lot of systems. He has to be in in more of a spread system, or yeah. you know, not it can't be a team that plays a lot of twenty two personnel or a lot of twenty one personnel. It has to be a team that's more wide open and spread. So, yeah, absolutely. Mm. I mean, you even go back to look at like the the. I mean, a, a team that would be interesting with him is the Falcons, for example. You go back and look at what Arthur Smith did with Hunter Henry and um mm. and Johnny Smith back in um not, not Hunter Henry, sorry, with Johnny Smith and uh, I can't remember the other guy, but back in Tennessee, you know, Johnny Smith is a move tight end. I know they've always got Kyle Pitts. Do they want two sort of wide receiver type tight ends who can't really block? But although mm. Pitts is much better blocker than Gesicki, but um, but yeah, I don't think you're not certainly not going to be looking at power teams. You're going to be looking at teams that that spread out and. I mean, look, the Chiefs is an interesting, you know, Travis Kelsey is a much better blocker than he's given credit for, but Gesicki is backing up, um, you know, Travis Kelsey, for example. Uh, you know, get a lot of snaps, he'd see a lot of balls, he'd be a very interesting option uh, for them. So, yeah, it will be it will be fascinating to see where he ends up. I'd be shocked, and I think you would be too, if he gets what he was asking for a season ago, which was yeah, five years, 55 million. Like, that's not happening. Uh, his numbers will, will not approach Mark Andrews at all. God no, God no. Okay, so they have one more free agent at tight end. Uh, uh, it's it's been a while. Adam Shaheen. Mm. <laughs> he opted for surgery in the preseason, out for the year. He is a free agent. Any effort to try to retain him? Remember, we're working with the assumption that Mike Kosecki will not be here. So, any effort to keep Adam Shaheen? Yeah, I mean, not for me. I think the whole room needs needs ripping up and, and starting again quite frankly all right um, so let, let, let's start there because they have durham Smythe, hunter long tanner connor seathan carter under contract seathan carter can be cut immediately tanner connor was a udfa so he's working one of those revolving deals which doesn't have any guaranteed money so they could cut him as well hunter long was a draft pick uh you probably can't cut him you could probably trade him he has no value Although he has some good tape toward the end of the year, I, I mean, would. I they'll, keep, they'll keep Smythe, I think, because he's reliable, dependable. He blocks okay. Mm-hmm. He's a good guy. He's uh, just painfully long. slow and is yeah. no factor in the passing game. 
long. You can kind of take or leave, quite frankly. I mean, what is coming into year three has done absolutely nothing. Seaton Carter, I don't think, you know, he was never anything more than a special teams captain anyway, or a special teams guy anyway. Uh, didn't play all year coming off the concussion. Tanner Connor, I know they like, but, you know, whenever he got on the field, he dropped the ball. I mean, six foot three, 230 pounds. So, you know, he's not, again, not pulling up any. And trees. he had consequential drops. Yeah, His drop okay. pass against the Jets was 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 a killer. Yeah, okay, that that the score is nineteen seventeen, and he's and he gets hit with a ball that hits him right in the chest for a twenty five yard gain that would have put him down to around the eighteen yard line. That's yeah, a consequential but, drop. You know, Instead, absolutely. they missed a field goal. Yeah, so I think they'll be looking very much um, at tight ends, whether that's in whether that's in free agency. Obviously, in the draft, it's a very good. There's some very good. You know, you look at Tucker Craft, you look at Donald Washington, you, you know, you kind of rule out Michael Mayer, but you go down the list, it feels like Luke Musgrave is is really, um, is going to end up in, you know, probably slightly out of Miami's reach in terms of what he can bring to the table. But, you know, the, there's the kid at Old Dominion, there's a the kid at North Dakota State, you've got, um, you've got, like I said, Donald Washington, you've got Sam Porter at Iowa. Uh, I don't think they get in the mix for a Dalton Schultz or an Evan Ingram or, you know, but does an Austin Hooper come into the to play? Does a Hayden Hurst come into play? You know, does uh who else is there? I mean, does Nerve Smith potentially come into play? Foster uh, Moreau, my guy. <laughs> yeah, Foster Moreau, the guy that you like. Obviously, they know Ross Dwelly really well from from San Francisco, uh, and who knows the scheme, who knows the system. So, you know, it will be interesting to see how that how that plays out in terms of looking at or, or you know, do they, you know, do they move into a trade market? Is there a player that they think that they could, you know. Is there something like a Tommy Tremble, for example, and a kid out of Notre Dame who plays at Carolina, mm. you know, who who's a good player who could really work in this system, blocks really well. You know, he ran what four six four at, at the um at his pro day. You know, there's a guy that you know potentially, you know, would would the Panthers take a, an Emmanuel Logba, you know, off our hands for a Tommy Tremble? We don't have too many player for player trades these days in the NFL, but mm. you know. That's the sort of quick fix in that, you know, we take an area of strength that we obviously have uh, and attack an area of weakness and and do so by bringing in a guy like a Tommy Tremble. But, I mean, that room, uh, the, the problem is with Chris Greer is that he, I feel like he's overly, um, he's very, um, he doesn't like getting rid of, you know, guys that have contributed a little bit, you know, so he, he wouldn't just clean out Long and, and Connor and Smythe and, do you know what I mean? It's like... Yeah. Those guys are going to stick around anyway. It's the same as the offensive line. You have to look. Yeah, at he doesn't want to leave himself too much work to do. No, but also he doesn't want to. He he's too loyal in a way, mm. you know. And I think that comes down from Stephen Ross. Actually, that, that's his mentality. You go back and look at how Ross was so loyal with Tony Sperano and and other coaches. Yeah, you have to look at the offensive line. It's like you know, Liam Eikenberg wasn't very good. Austin Jackson isn't very good. You know, there are players on the offensive line that will, we know and we've been told. And it's been, you know, Barry Jackson's reported the Dolphins aren't going heavy on the offensive line in free agency. So that means that they're just sticking with the, you know, the guys that, that they brought in, they're giving yet another chance to. And, you know, which means that Tehran is getting yet another year older and, you know, Tour is not getting protected the way he should do. And, you know, and you look at the Super Bowl, you look at what, yeah, Chris Greer is never going to do what Brett Beach did three years, two years ago when, you know, they were terrible in the Super Bowl, got abused by the, the Buccaneers front four and Patrick Mahomes didn't have a second in the pocket. He went out and traded for Orlando Brown, brought in Lucas Niang, uh, 
drafted Creed Humphrey in the second round, Niang in the third round, signed Joe Tooney in free agency, completely fixed that offensive line. Andrew Wiley, who actually was the kind of the the goat in that um in that Super Bowl against the Buccaneers, was actually outstanding on on Sunday. Yes. Um, look at the offensive line the Eagles have got. You know, all pro Jason Kelsey left tackle, future Hall of Famer, future Hall of Famer Lane Johnson at right tackle, uh, Jason Kelsey at center. Sorry, Mylata, brilliant left tackle, great left guard in 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 Dickerson. Great right guard who's actually a free agent. Um, but you, know, you can't think that the Dolphins are going to bring in Somalu. That's just not what they do. Um, but yeah, they, that line needs fixing. And it feels like for the six years that we've been on this podcast, we've been saying that over and over and over again. And we'll probably be saying it for the next six. There's a surefire way to fix it. And that's spend some money on a right tackle. If you look at their expenditures, they're they're so below what some of the top teams in the league are spending on, the, on their offensive tackles, namely the Eagles. Like they could yeah. go out and spend fifteen million dollars a year on McGlinchey, and they're still not spending as much as the Eagles are spending on their tackles. Yeah. And you would have Teron Armstead and Mike McGlinchey at your bookend tackles. That goes a long way to fixing that offensive line. And and personally, I would do it. All right, one last spot: the place kicker. Do you bring yeah. in? Do you bring in competition for Jason Sanders? And it, I'll go first. I I think it's it's necessary. You just bring in, you know, find a guy. Find a guy somewhere. If you have to use a seventh round pick to to avoid, you know, the rush at you know forum on a UDFA deal, because usually that's what happens. Everybody looks at the the hottest kicker as a UDFA, and then you have too much competition. If you have to use a seventh round pick, use it. Get your guy and bring him in to compete with Jason Sanders. That's what I would do. What would you do? Yeah, I mean, there's look, there's some good free agent kickers this year. Robbie Gould, uh, Matt Gay. You know, uh, the the there's some guys out there in free. I mean, Robert Gould's forty, but still absolutely nailing it. Are you going to look at somebody like Jake Moody of Michigan, who's you know who delivered accuracy in short, medium, didn't try too many long field goals, but whenever it was brought in to try long field goals, uh, he absolutely nailed them for Michigan. Nailed them again at the East West Shrine game and at the Senior Bowl in terms of his ability just to to, to make kicks both from short and long distance. Uh, there's some good kickers in this draft. Uh, there's the big kid out of Missouri whose name escapes me, but I, I, I absolutely think, although Sanders, you know, he certainly recovered from the dip that he had. He, um, yeah, I, I think competition would help him absolutely. Yeah, he loves kicking in Buffalo. I don't know what it is, but he just loves kicking in Buffalo. He's like, he's a uh, six for seven, and he's hit four fifty yarders in Buffalo for whatever reason. He likes kicking there. All right, that's it. Uh, we're gonna go to break, and when we come back, we'll have Chris Kaufman. But first these words do you have a water leak and can't find words coming from are you dealing with water or mold damage in your home or business then call water cleanup of florida at 954-579-0356 for immediate assistance with over 60 years of combined experience michael robert and their team is prepared to handle all types of leak detection issues 24 hours a day 365 days a year after the leak has been located and repaired, Water Cleanup of Florida will then clean, dry, and fully restore the damaged areas. Water Cleanup of Florida is fully licensed, insured, and certified to provide the one-stop shopping that busy homeowners and business owners require. There is no need to bring in other contractors. They will handle the entire project from start to finish. Service areas include Miami, Broward, and Palm Beach counties. Call Michael anytime on his personal cell phone at 954-579-0356. That's 954 954- Five seven nine zero three five six, or visit their website at wcufl.com. Water cleanup of Florida. If you have the schmutz, they have the guts. I'm Jalen Phillips, and you're listening to Three Yards Per Carry. And we're back. And as promised, Chris Kaufman. Hello, Chris. Hi. Well, last time that we talked, 
uh, Butch Barry was not hired, but he's hired. He's hired now. Okay, and he was mentioned briefly in the first part of this show when we were going over the over the offensive line, and I made mention that it seems like Eric Fisher, you know, kind of has a leg up now to to be on this roster and have a prominent role on this roster because Butch Barry is now the offensive line coach, the much maligned Butch Barry. Uh, oddly oh. enough, five days ago. 95% of people didn't know who the hell he was. I was just going to say, last time we talked, not only was Butch Berry not hired, but pretty much everybody didn't know who Butch Berry was. Look, so. look, I pride myself with being a football junkie and knowing way too much about this sport and about the people in it. And when they said hey, they hired Butch Berry, I started thinking, I'm like, like, that dude that was with the Hurricanes a couple years ago, that guy? Nah, and I looked it up and go, oh, it's that guy. You know, you know what it is. You know what it is about him, though, is like even taking aside, like, well, we don't know who Butch Berry is or what he's done or anything like that. Like, but but then you look at him, Uh and I swear to God, everybody who looks at him swears they know that guy. (laughs) Yes, like without even actually knowing that guy, but they swear they know that guy. Yeah, because he's that guy. Yes, just he's that. He's that cookie cutter uh, football coach yeah. that some of us had or some of us have seen. And yeah, those those guys are just not thought of fun. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? I mean but you, you know? swear, you swear, you look at him and you swear and like, oh, I know, I know that guy. <laughs> so your thoughts on this guy? Because uh, there seems to be, or there was, at least for a little while, a concerted effort to absolutely devastate this guy's name in in the local media because the seeds were planted, and I was getting very curious and very ominous DMs as I was mentioning things on 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 my own Twitter account and on the Three YPC Twitter account. I was getting very you know ominous DMs warning me of this guy, you know, mm-hmm. to at least make mention of this and. I guess we'll make mention of it now. Ben Albright, okay, it's basically Ben Albright, <laughs> right? That started this drum beat, and then there was a there was a couple of others, but louder than most was Ben Albright, okay? Yeah, and, I think it's it's not it's not yeah louder than most. I think you said it right. And of course, uh, there was a physical therapist that that seems to know a lot of the players. Uh, also, seems to think that you know that Butch Berry was you know a cross between Mussolini and, and Hitler. But, you know, uh, he's our offensive line coach now. And evidently, our guy's the one who picked him and likes him. So, imagine that. Imagine I guess that. your very brief thoughts on Butch Barry. And I guess we could move on to evaluating this roster. Well, I, th- I think I think it's important because we've had the, you know, we've had the, the, um, I, the revolving door at offensive line coach. Um I think we've averaged more than one a year, which is insane. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, the, the, here we go. We hired Matt. To Applebaum, be fair, that's, seemed... that's skewed because Flores killed a guy off in two days. Yeah. But, uh, but, but then even, 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 even then we're being that, a year. Didn't, didn't we have, didn't we also have like, I, I swear we had another guy for less, less than a year too. Yeah. Guglielmo also. Guglielmo. Yeah. Yeah. Did a yeah. tour of duty here. He was yeah, one of my favorites too. He was one of my favorites because uh, he is that guy, you know, yeah, like okay, kind of he's funny. He's funny in the way he is that guy. 
Yeah, he's like, a lot of offensive line coaches are really that guy. But you know, we had Matt, Matt Applebaum, and uh, and there was it seemed like a lot of promise. And and to be to be fair, um, the improvements in the offensive line this year were real. Um, and you know, it didn't seem like it was just Teron Armstead, right? And and there's they definitely tried a very hard thing moving Connor Williams over to center for the first time ever, and and just having him be the center for the in this system which is, um, you know, requires a lot of the center uh, cerebrally. Uh, and and so – and then they had, you know, basically a bunch of nobodies that nobody else in the league would have wanted mm-hmm. um, in in several of the positions, just kind of rotating year, year round. And uh, there was a reason they were available, and we were able to just, like, pick them up and start them. Um, and and so it was tough, and, and yet those guys that – you know, it, it wasn't it wasn't absolutely terrible. It wasn't, you know, Jesse Davis. Um, you know, Jesse Davis right tackle bad. Uh it wasn't, you know what I mean? Like, um, so so you'd think that'd be a credit to the offensive line, but then Matt Applebaum gets canned and it's like, oh, I guess there was a problem here. We didn't even know. And and one of the issues with the reason that, you know, maybe we didn't know is because there's so much redundancy on staff. You know, there's he Matt Applebaum had two assistants. And uh, and Mike Person, who played for the San Francisco system for a long, and he was a longtime NFL guy, and uh, Lemuel Jean Pierre, who was the offensive line coach, you know, previous to Matt Applebaum, um, and they kept him on, and he was the assistant. And then they had Frank Smith, who former uh, offensive coordinator now, but he was former offensive line coach, and even go back and, and Chandler Henley, who's assistant quarterbacks coach. I mean, he's a former offensive line coach. Mike McDaniel's a former uh, has worked with uh, offensive linemen. I mean, we've got, I think we've got like six members of the offensive staff that have coached offensive linemen. And, yeah. uh, and well, that's we a have lot six of now because we fired one. <laughs> yeah. And that's, and that, so that's a lot of redundancy. So, so that's why, you know, maybe we wouldn't have known any about any problems brewing with that apple bomb, but that's, that's also why people should be like, okay, Butch, Barry, you know, whatever his reputation is, it probably doesn't matter ultimately that much. Because I've seen people be like, oh, we might as well not even draft anybody because, you know, we got nobody to teach. I'm like, nobody to teach him? Are you kidding me? We've got so much redundancy on staff with, with guys who have coached offensive line. Uh, what do you mean nobody to teach him? I mean, you know, that it. we don't know what Matt Applebaum didn't have, right? That didn't that they decided didn't fit, and and what Butch Berry has that you know might slide into that man. Maybe it's not about the the guy who teaches. Maybe they have enough of that. Maybe they have enough. They have help with hands on teaching. Maybe they need something else. They need something that's a little bit more, um, you know, technical and and theoretical on on how to implement this uh, this system um, and you know a real a real wide zone outside zone guy whereas none of the guys that we had i think last year were really you know even frank smith you know not necessarily um so i think that that's that's probably one thing the other thing that that stands out to me is how absolutely nobody wants to wants to see see both sides this okay presumably they don't believe they've just made a terrible hire right I mean, yeah, that's yeah. not that's yeah. not going on a limb, right? <laughs> yeah, Presumably. I don't think Daniel woke up that morning and said, you know what we, we got you know to do today? I'm just going to hire the worst possible guy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like presumably they don't think they made a terrible hire. 
so given that they know way more than any of us about it, like um, evaluating often or, uh, assistant coaches is, is so is so terrible on our part because we know like maybe 10% of what we would need to, to a- actually register an intelligent opinion about it. And, and so they know way more because they can actually interview and, and speak, um, speak the language and, and find out the things that they need to know. But also they, you know, they can talk to people who were there, who coached with them and stuff like that. You know, we don't, we don't know any of that. We're, we're, we're grasping at straws in the dark here. Um, and, and so, you would think there'd be more of an effort to find out or to at least speculate or think on what the good things are that, that made them hire him. And, and it seems absolutely, absolutely nobody, uh, including any, you know, I love him, but Simon doesn't want to hear it either, um, is actually interested in that. They're not, he's terrible. He's terrible because, you know, a couple of players, definitely, definitely some players that have been coached by him, don't like the man. And, yeah. um, and you know, Ben Albright is out there. He's, he's definitely banging the drum the loudest. And um, Although I will and say so- this. If Dalton Reisner or Dalton Risner, is it Risner or Reisner? I think it's Risner. If Dalton Risner signs here, I'm going to go laugh in all these people's Twitter feeds and probably get myself uh, blocked. You know that, right? Oh, right, right. Of course. Because, you know, yeah, exactly. But um, that'll be the ultimate that that'll be the ultimate. Okay, you're you were full of shit. We just took one of your prize free agents. (laughs) Exactly. And and Billy Turner, I mean, Billy Turner knew him before he, I think, went to uh, Denver and and specifically cited uh, Coach Butch as one of the reasons that he went there. But um, and, and I think that I think there's not enough effort being made to, you know, okay, but what what are the what are the reasons that he would be here? What are the reasons that they would hire him? And when you look at that, I mean, one of the things that sticks out to me is for some reason, all these coaches and they're, they're pretty coaches with pretty good accolades. Um, they get some exposure to Butch Berry, like a year or something like that. And then they, after that, they're willing to go out on a limb for him. You know, like he, Harold Goodwin is a longtime offensive line coach and, uh, and run coordinator in this league. He's won a Super Bowl. Um, you know, he, he coached Butch Berry at Central Michigan uh, for a year, I think. And and then, you know, out of all the people that want to be GAs, you know, graduate assistants, he hires Butch Berry as a graduate assistant to work with him after that for two years. And then, you know, fast forward like 12 years later. I mean, these guys haven't coached together 12 years. Butch Berry's coming out of uh, Tampa Bay, and he, or, or, um, or sorry, no, he's coming out of uh, he's coming out of Central Michigan. He wants to make his NFL dream come true. He phones up, you know, Harold Goodwin, and uh, this they haven't seen each other in like twelve years. And Harold Goodwin goes out on a limb for him. He he phones up his old boss in Chicago, Lovey Smith, and uh, his old mentor George Warhop, who is an offensive line coach. Um, both of them were in Tampa. And he goes out on limb for this guy that he hasn't coached with in, in 12 years and says, you know, you need you need to interview this guy. And he interviews with them. He aces the interview. He gets hired. Uh, and and then, like, you know, when Lovey Smith was fired after just one year in um, in Tampa Bay, you know, of course, there could be a change of, uh, of staff there. But George Warhop was still the offensive line coach and George Warhop still insisted on Butch Berry being his assistant. 
So, um, so there's George Warhop going out on a limb for the, for the guy. There's uh, Matt uh, Matt Lafleur, Green Bay. Like they knew each other from Central Michigan. Uh, they didn't even overlap that much, but they had the root. They had roots there. They they sort of knew each other. Matt Lafleur hires him to Green Bay, mm-hmm. and and you know, and, and then you've got okay. Well, who else was in Green Bay? Nathaniel Hackett was in Green Bay as the offensive coordinator at that time. Uh, Butch Berry was there as a senior assistant for one year. And Nathaniel Hackett gets hired as the Denver head coach. And who does he want for his offensive line coach? Butch Berry. And it's like, you only knew him one year. <laughs> you know, and, and and then I go to Mike McDaniel. Mike McDaniel, he went from um Butch Berry went uh to San Francisco, right, for one year. And Mike McDaniel knew him one year, right? And and now who does he hire? He hires Butch Berry, this guy that he only coached. All I'm saying is, like, go back through the history. And coach after coach after coach after coach has exposure to this guy for kind of a limited amount of time, and then they go out on a limb for him. And I'm, I'm all I'm all I'm asking, all I'm asking the simple question is why. And nobody seems to want to want to know the answer to that because they're like, well, a couple of players in Denver hated him. <laughs> yeah, and that's it. And that's yeah. it. And that and because of that, we're you know we're done here. We're done here. We're not talking about this anymore. And and I don't I don't get it. I don't think that's objective. I don't think that's real analysis. Um and and so you know that's why that's why you find me like asking well, these questions and well that's of, what I got because I I spoke to Ben I, was, I spoke to Ben Albright and, and and I told him explain this to me. I have all these metrics, mm-hmm. and usually when the number is lower, <laughs> uh, you're gonna yeah. improve. Like we usually when your number is lower. Okay, when when you were ranked twenty fourth and now you rank twentieth, we usually say you improved. Yep, because usually, usually because when you go from twenty four to twenty, it's an improvement, right? So I've laid out all of these metrics. Explain to me how the twenty twenty two Denver offensive line was better in all of these categories over the twenty twenty one offensive line. Yet Butch Barry is this this piece of garbage. Yeah. And the response I got met with is, is precisely what you just said, which is, I don't want to talk about this no more. He's terrible. Uh, I got these players telling me this. Uh, uh, you don't know what you're talking about. Okay, yeah, I'm fine. I guess I don't know what I'm talking about. Well, and and I think the thing they say is, well, those are player metrics. The players, the players played better. Uh-huh. And it's like, well, yeah, the players are supposed. To, I mean, that's that's the point of being a coach is <laughs> is to try is to try and help the players, but. But but also keep in mind, uh, you, you mentioned that there was a lot of improvement. There was not just improvement. There was act, outright, no matter what, almost no matter what metric you pick, you pick, whether it's uh, pro football focuses or uh, ESPN's uh, pass block win rates or pass, uh, run block win rates or um, or SIS does uh, does some does some stuff. Almost no matter what one you pick it points to the Denver offensive line this year being somewhere between average and good, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, the ESPN pass block win rate was, I think, ranked number nine in the NFL. The uh, the run block win rate went ranked number four, okay, in, in the NFL. And as you suggest, both of those were improvements over over Mike Munchak the year before. And um, and and keep in mind what he had, to, what that offensive line had to deal with. I'm not going to say Butch Berry because – I'm not going to pretend he did it, um, but mm-hmm. what that offensive line had to deal with in order to show improvement, okay? Because Garrett Bowles is their best offensive lineman, left tackle. He's a star left tackle, and he played, I think, like 
I think he played like less than 30% of the snaps this year. Uh, 24% you know, like, or something like that? Yeah, it was like 28% or 27% or I, I forget. And he played he played like less than 30% of the snaps this year. He yeah, was he's a, legit, he played, he's a legit stud. Uh, and he's Poles a legit a hell, stud, right? You yeah, know, he's, he's a hell he's of a, a player. Stud. So imagine, imagine Teron top Armstead top five ish left tackle, something like that. Yeah, you know, imagine Teron Armstrong only played like a quarter of the snaps this year. Like that's what they had to. That's what they had to deal with with him. He played a quarter. You know, Billy Turner missed more than half the snaps. Um, the the center Lloyd Cushenberry missed more than half the snaps. Um, and and you know all the all these injuries happened, and yet they showed improvement. And mm-hmm. and and yet. And then you go to Russell Wilson. Let's let's be honest. He played like dog shit this year, and and you know I, I don't know if he he didn't suddenly forget how to play football, but I don't know that where his head was at either. Um, and and so he he was playing he was playing bad football this year for a lot of the year, and holding the ball a lot longer than you saw in the previous year, which right? is a feature Trevor, has been a feature even when he was good. Right, he, he's always held the ball a little bit longer, but he but he held he held it even longer, I think, and and so everybody just looks at the sticker shock of fifty seven sacks, and it's like, well, yeah, but yeah, but <laughs> you know what? How many of those sacks were actually on the quarterback versus the offensive line, and and you know how long was he holding ball on the en route to those fifty seven sacks? I mean, it was it was bad, right? So so to show improvement in all those metrics over a Mike Munchak offensive line, despite you know way more injuries this year, and despite Russell Wilson holding the ball forever, um, is really you know it's something. And you would think, all things being equal, all things being equal, we don't really know. We understand that we don't know. We were not there. We're not in that locker room. We're not in those coaches' meetings rooms and, and all that stuff. Um, you would think that, objectively speaking, you would look at that and be like, well, that's probably a credit to the offensive line coach, right? Yeah. Except in this case, no. Nobody wants to credit him with anything. <laughs> and so, you know, it's it's a very curious it's a very curious thing. And uh, and yeah, I'm not I'm not denying that there's definitely players out there that are killing. And background, all right. Um, they're they're definitely off, but uh, but at the same time, you know, okay. Well, the bottom line is the offensive lines played well, and the bottom line is Mike McDaniel coached with the dude for a year and is like, I want this guy. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, so what are we what are we supposed to say to that? You know, and um, and that's 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 where I get. I know we're going on about it a little bit too long. It's just, it's just a very curious thing to me. And it is also probably to be fair, it's, it's one of the most important uh, coaching positions on the staff. Um, The offensive line coach, Uh, you know, it's, it's after, after you go from offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator, you, you might even say that offensive line coaches is the next most important. Um, You know, if not, if, if not, quarterbacks coach or uh or pass coordinator or something like that but um so it is an important position and it you, you know it's it's worth going on about a bit because you know so many people are just like this guy's garbage and i'm like <laughs> okay but where's where's the data on that you know, <laughs> you know yeah where, where is where is it just point it to me. <laughs> you know and and nobody can so all right well, moving on 
I posted this on OnlyFans. I, I hope you didn't see it because I was going to ask you about it right now. I have the betting market implied odds, okay? Which from and this is from FanDuel, not a sponsor. And mm-hmm. the implied odds actually matter more than whatever Vegas puts out in the offseason because the implied odds are the actual money being bet currently right now on the 2023 NFL MVP. So it's the percentage of money being bet on these players. Mm-hmm. Uh, and these are what the odds that will be released sometime in around July will reflect. There's three quarterbacks tied at 10.8% right now of the betting public betting on them. You know who those three quarterbacks are, right? I can certainly guess that they are uh, that they are um, Pat Mahomes, Josh Allen, and Joe Burrow. Nailed it. Now there's okay. a four. Now the guy who's fourth is Justin Herbert. I'll I'll reveal it. Our favorite social media. Oh, he is. Okay. Yes, All Justin right. Herbert at eight point six percent. Do you know who's fifth? Um, you know what? Because because of because of because because you're asking me this, I'm going to go ahead and guess Tua. <laughs> yeah, it is Tua Tungavailoa at six point six percent. Number five in implied odds for the 2023 NFL MVP. Tied with Jalen Hurts, although he has an edge on Jalen Hurts, ahead of Trevor Lawrence, Lamar Jackson, Dak Prescott, Deshaun Watson, Aaron Rodgers, you know all the rest. Okay. Well, you know, and and the weird part about this is like, you know, everybody's going to be like, oh god, that's ridiculous, and and yet at the same time, if you were to talk to anybody at a certain time of the year this year, it was like, yeah, two is making a run at MVP this year. Like, like you talk to anybody, anybody and their their and their sister is paying attention to the NFL. It's like, or it's like, well, I don't know if he's going to be the one who gets it, but he's making a run at MVP this year, you know. And and so all the odds are really are just implying that yeah, when he was healthy, he was making a run at MVP. Yeah, and they're including him in the conversation once again for next season. All right, moving on to the the roster. We're gonna go. We're gonna go over this roster a little a little quicker than, than most here. Um, I I spoke with uh, with Simon about this. They have an excellent cap situation right now. They're spending fifty point three percent of their money. They have twenty players under contract on the offensive side of the ball, which is probably the number they're gonna want to have. Maybe twenty two, twenty three. Uh, so they have a very good cap situation right now. By the way, can you guess who has the the most skewed cap toward the offense this coming season? With twenty five, you have all the teams with twenty five players under contract. Um, no, you know I wouldn't even be able to guess. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers—they're spending seventy six point six percent of their cap on their Ooh. offense. Like that's that's a problem, right? Uh, second is Cleveland, by the way, and they have twenty nine players under contract on the offensive side of the ball. That's because they 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 tend to keep a lot of offensive linemen, and they're spending yeah. sixty eight point four percent of their cap. On the offensive yeah, that's, side, yeah, of that's a, that's going to be a problem for them. Yeah, so the Dolphins have a perfect situation, so we could we could be kind of free with what we want to do with this roster. And we're going to start off with the with the quarterbacks where I started with uh, with Simon. Uh, obviously, we're not going to talk about QB one. We know who that is. Um, we do. The question I asked Simon, and he kind of agreed. Um, they drafted Skylar Thompson in the seventh round last year. The hope was that he would dazzle us in that Minnesota game and possibly that jet game and maybe even the playoff game. And we right now will be saying we're going to have a really cheap QB two and a really good one. I don't think we could do that. So, so that was kind of like a dud. (laughs) You would agree. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, it's not that I think I characterize him as a dud. I just think that it it's it's hard to do what we're talking about. We tried to corner the market and we we didn't pull it off. Right. It is, and it is hard. It is hard to do what what we were thinking that could happen with him. And he just didn't. He didn't quite make it. He, he didn't wasn't quite, Brock Purdy. Yeah, he was exactly. He was not Brock Purdy, and and that's hard to do, you know. And so, no shame in that. Um, he's he's still got a future, but yeah, yeah. All right, and moving on. So obviously, we we're gonna have to spend money on a on a on a backup quarterback here. Uh, uh Simon likes Tyler Heineke. Yeah, we're not gonna get into it too much because we're gonna have shows on this. He likes Tyler Heineke. Uh, I brought up Mitch Trubisky. Oh God! <laughs> yeah, that was the response that Simon got. So I guess we'll save that for a future show. Moving on, uh, oh, uh, unless you have a favorite. If you have a favorite, you could interject it here, and then I guess we'll talk about it in, in about well, a couple I, I weeks' think, time. I think I think it's a top three for, for really, and um, and I think that uh, and there's there's a tiering, but I think that it's either you know if you're going for one of the top three options that make the most sense for the Miami Dolphins, given their situation with Tua. Um, and their situation with the offense and such, uh, you know, it's either going to be Jimmy Garoppolo, Andy Dalton, or Taylor Heineke. Those are the, that make the most sense. Uh, and it is, and I say this because they are going to want a starter caliber guy and, and not like, you know, a wink, wink, start starter caliber guy, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, cause you know, there are wink, wink, starter caliber, cal- caliber guys out there, right? Oh, we we think we have the best backup in the league, you know that kind of bullshit, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, and and so I don't think they want that. I think they realize that we said um, that we said that about five months ago with Teddy Bridgewater. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. And and that so I don't think I, I don't think they I don't think they want the wink wink you know starter caliber guy. Um, I think they want you know the real the guy that has been starting and and playing really well. Um, you know, like Taylor Heineke or Andy Dalton or uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, and um, and I think that I think that that's probably the first place you look. And if they don't go there, then at that point, in my opinion, you're almost like, well, then in that case, you might as well just go skip on down to like C.J. Beathard or Nick Mullins, and then just have them compete with Skylar Thompson, and uh, and and you know just fuck it, throw all in. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the reason I, I go with those guys is because one of the issues we had this year, we had a very unique problem where we kept having quarterbacks start the game but not finish the game. Mm-hmm. And so what that meant is that the guy that was taking the reps all week and had the uh, the best grasp of the game plan ended up being not the guy that played the game. And that, that gave the Dolphins problems. It gave Mike McDaniel problems. It limited what plays he could call during the game. Um, it, it limited his feel for, you know, for what this player could do during the game. And uh, I think I, I forget the exact, but the number, like, if you look at the number of, of games that they we actually played, where the guy who took the reps all week was the guy who played the whole game, or you know, uh, unless we pulled him, like in the Houston game, we pulled two of her. Good reasons, not bad reasons. So I think that could it could end up being one of the top considerations in this the backup quarterback thing is is you know not just like hey let's just get let's get a real 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 starter which I think is going to be a thing for Chris Greer especially, but it's also going to be like 
hey, I, I want a guy that I have like a shared experience, you know, base, a, a lot of shared experience with to where they get in the game all of a sudden, you know, I know what to call for them and they know they know what they can run for me, you know, and and, and so I think that that's uh, that's something that people are really going to have to consider when we start bringing up all these names, you know, particularly if somebody starts bringing up Gardner Minshew or somebody like that, you know, keep in mind Gardner Minshew was sort of a, a local legend in Jacksonville for a couple of years. And then Daryl Bevel became the offensive coordinator and all of a sudden Gardner <laughs> Minshew was, was garbage. Like he was, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and he was traded for an empty beer can by the end of, uh, by the end of preseason, you know? And, and so I think that, no, no, there's, there's probably zero chance of Gardner Minshew becoming the backup quarterback here. Um, I think this the 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 whole you know system thing probably is is more of a consideration than people think. Yeah. All right. Moving on. Uh, we're not going to cover the fullbacks because I think we all agree. Uh, FB one Alec Engold. Uh, he's a thing. He had a great season. He's a fan favorite and a and a very effective player. So he's rostered as far as a fullback. And John Love is still on the roster, by the way. And he got injured. That's not. Yeah. He's really he's he got injured very early on in training camp. And I kept seeing him around <laughs> all the time. And I'm like, you still here, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he was still here. He was here rehabbing, working out. So he got a free like, gym membership. He got a free gym membership out of the whole deal. So that's pretty good. Uh, all right. Moving on to the running backs. If they had to play a game, and I already told this to Simon, they had to play a game tomorrow. They don't have any. <laughs> None of yeah, them are right. under, under contract. They don't have a single guy under contract. Although, Savan Ahmed, you could tag, I guess. And that's where I started with Simon. Well, let's uh, be clear about what tag we're talking about. <laughs> yes. We're not talking about an expensive tag. <laughs> no, no. We're talking about a very low tag. I asked Simon about it, and Simon's like, eh, you can or you can't. It doesn't really matter. What would you do with Savon Ackman? Oh, he's here. He's here. I think he played I think he played well enough to uh to get uh, the appropriate tag. He did um, not he did not have a bad moment. Not not what you would you would expect RB three to eventually have a bad moment when pressed into action. But he played in important games and made plays. He had the I mean, touchdown run against agent. Buffalo. He's a restricted free agent. It's pretty easy to keep him. So yes. I think they will. Yeah, and you would agree, uh, Mostert, Wilson, and probably a draft pick. That's what Simon thinks, a draft pick and possibly free agency as well. well a lo lower-level free agency is what's going to augment this group. I'm, I'm going to totally contradict myself here. Um so uh, about this, the thing is that there's there's going to be names available um, in free agency and possibly otherwise. And the Dolphins did this already. They 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 used picks or used resources to grab unhappy veterans. They did it with Tyree Kill. There was a contract issue. Um, they did it with Bradley Chubb, and I there could be an opportunity the right opportunity could spring open um, at that position to do the same thing. And, and, and so in that way, normally, because I'm saying I contradict myself, because normally I'd say, this is what, this is what Mike McDaniel wants to do. He wants to get, you know, he wants to find the diamonds in the rough, right. Mm -hmm. At this position. And that's what, that's where Jeff Wilson comes from. That's where Raheem Mostert comes from. Um, you know, if you go back and, and Elijah, um, Elijah, what's his name? Uh, I forget his last name. Elijah now. Mitchell. Elijah, Elijah Mitchell, you know, same thing. Um, I think that uh, 
normally, yes. And I think Raheem Mostert is number one on this list. He's going to be back. Savon Upman is going to be back because he's easy to get back. I don't necessarily know that Jeff Wilson is going to be back. They're going to have to find out what his market is. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think that it wouldn't surprise me, though, if, you know, I know that Chris Greer loved Dalvin Cook once upon a time, right? Yes. Like, what if what if he springs open, you know? And, and it just seems like the right fit, right? And, and, and so that's – I would keep an eye out for that. They're not going to go out to get a great running back just because they're like, we need, we need an expensive running back. And I, I, I'm not, I'm not sure that. Yeah, like, I, like one thing that one thing that struck me. Do you remember when, uh, when, um, when Mike McDaniel was was talking about the the acquisition of Tyreek Hill, and he said that Stephen Ross called him to congratulate him, and Mike McDaniel said, "No, congratulations to us that we have this player now in the building." Do you think that Stephen Ross is calling when they tag Savon Ahmed or when they trade a fifth round pick for? For Jeff Wilson, something tells me if the if the uh, if the opportunity presents itself mm-hmm. to make a semi splash, they'll take it because they yeah, like those I congratulatory think, calls from Stephen Ross. I, I think I think it, but I think it has to be the right. I think it has to be the right guy. It's not going to be like, hey, there's there's five premium running backs out there. We're we're gonna we're gonna get one of them. You know, I I don't yeah. think it's that. I don't. Um, I think it's. You know, if it's the right guy, and and you know, my gut tells me that Dalvin Cook could actually be that right guy. Um, so you know, I keep half an eye open for that. I don't actually think, you know, even if they had a first round pick, I don't think they'd use it on a running back. I really don't. Um, and and I know that people will say, you know, that's not wisdom, and and you can argue it one way or the other. I don't care. I I'm just saying what I don't think the Dolphins are going to do. And I don't, I don't think the Dolphins are going to do that. I don't think the Dolphins are going to use their second round pick on the guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I, I think that, you know, Raheem, Raheem Mostert back, Salvin, Savan Achman back. Um, there will be a young dude somewhere in the draft. I don't know where it'll be. Um, probably not second round, in my opinion. Um, and then, you know, I <laughs> keep that half an eye out for, like, the right guy if Dalvin Cook is the right guy. You know what I mean? And yeah. um and that's it. I completely agree with that. Uh, moving on to the wide receivers, I, I told Simon this. Like you would think, uh, we don't have to do too much work here. Uh, they actually do. Uh, Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill, obviously. Uh, Eric Azucama should get an increased load. Cedric Wilson is. Look, I really like him as a player. I thought he was underutilized. He's making a little bit too much for you know his usage rate, I guess. But Trent Sherfield and River Craycraft are free agents. Um, I think they showed enough where they're going to draw interest, some interest somewhere. You know, uh, I I actually don't agree with that. I think Trent. I don't, Sherfield... I don't think. I don't think so. I don't think they're going to get a lot of interest. I think that pe- other teams are going to view them as creatures of the system. Really, even Trent yeah. Sherfield, who even Trent Sherfield. Who who flashed big plays all year and has the reputation as one of the best blockers. In I the love league. Trent Sherfield. Don't get me wrong about that. Um, I just I just have a feeling that the teams out there. I mean, there are so many teams now trying to run this system. So maybe, um, but you know, I just think I think that I think that there's going to be a lot of teams out there that view Trent Sherfield as like, you know, a creature of not only this system, the Mike McDaniel system, you know, this specific system, but also a creature of maybe of 
Tua's idiosyncras- idiosyncrasies as a quarterback, and also the fact that he had Jalen Waddle and Tyree Kill as the as the two guys. Mm-hmm. You know, like he he got to play, he got to play. You know, as the third guy with those two guys. You know, once upon a time. Once upon a time when Randy Moss and Wes Walker were catching passes for uh for Tom Brady. Yeah, Dante Stallworth. Do you remember who the third guy was? Dante Stallworth. Dante Stallworth. And we talked all great about how good Dante Stallworth was back then. And but he was are, nothing. Are, are he he ended up about... making some money somewhere else, I think in Philadelphia. Yeah. And, and are we talking are we talking about how good Dante Stallworth was now? No. No, we're not. Not really. <laughs> not really. You know? And and so I I, I, I do think that there's gonna be some some of that thought out there with other NFL teams about Trent Shurfield. So All we right. might be able to keep him, which is a good thing. Yeah, and your thoughts on, on Cedric Wilson? I, I think he's he's a guy. It's a complicated we, cap situation. It's yeah, a, a complicated contract. You don't think anybody's gonna, anybody will throw us a sixth-round pick for him? No. Uh, I think I think nobody's – I think he's set to make um, – I forget exactly how much it is, um, but I think he's uh, set to make something like $7 million this year, cash – cash uh you know cash on the barrel head um and i i just don't think uh i don't think teams are going to be loving that his base salary is seven million dollars and you know and five million of it is guaranteed um so i just don't think the teams are going to be uh in a in a rush like we might have to it might be like a basketball move where we have to like sweeten the deal to get them to take that off our hands Hmm. um but it's complicated because we could cut him you know, five million is guaranteed, but it's subject to offsets. So if if we cut him and somebody wants to sign him, and you know he's he's in line, let's say he's in line for like a four million dollar contract, well then, you know we're only on the hook for a million dollars. You know we're yeah. not on the hook for five; we're on the hook for for one. You know, so um, so I think that uh, I think that that's something to pay attention to. Uh, yeah, he does have two million dollars worth of unaccelerated bonus left. Um, but that's just money that we've already paid. You know, we've already paid it. We just haven't accounted for it yet. Um, and, and that's fine. And the, the salary cap is, is so manipulatable that it's, it's, you know, that's fine. Uh, it's, it's the money, it's the actual money that they, they, you know, put in his bank account or that they're forced to put in his bank account. And that's where that 5 million guaranteed comes from, comes into play. And, um, but it, the fact that it would be subject to offsets, you know, he might, on the free agent market, you probably still get like four million dollars or five million dollars. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like so, so I think that, um, yeah, I, th- I think no, uh, no on the trade probably, but um, don't be surprised if we can cut them and recoup some of that money uh, with the offsets. Yeah, uh, although you know, he whenever he was asked to make a play, he did. Um, I think that was yeah. more our fault. Meaning, not yeah. my fault, not not our fault here on three yards to carry. More uh, Mike McDaniel, Darrell Bevels, everybody who was involved with the offense. They needed to find a way to get him a little bit more involved in the offense because every time right. they asked him to do a, make a play, he did. But but Trent Sherfield was categorically better, and yeah. and 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 River Craycraft, you know, was also again creature of the system. You know, he he, he could he knew what they were asking him to do, and and keep in mind. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty certain on this that they tried to trade Cedric Wilson. Yes, you know before the deadline. So it was it was a lot like the Chase Edmonds thing, you know. Hey, it, it's not working out here. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's 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 move. Let's everybody move on. You're you're going to go to a, a system where where things are going to work out better for you. 
mm-hmm. you know um so that that's that's something to keep in mind all right moving on to the offensive line uh greg little eric fisher jerron christian michael dieter brandon shell kendall lamb those are the free agents returning austin jackson robert hunt connor williams robert jones liam meikenberg teron armstead now eric fisher i think will be back uh i believe so too you have some background on that uh with butch barry central michigan yep uh, they they was, were together at Central Michigan, and Butch Berry even talk, talks about him still. You know, he talks. Mm-hmm. So it's not like Butch Berry was. Well, I was coaching tight ends. I don't know anything about Eric Fisher. No, I mean he was he was he was an offensive line coach at heart. <laughs> yeah. You know, always, and uh, and so you know he, he still talks about him. Yeah. So it wasn't some elaborate money laundering scheme <laughs> that they Are ran. We sure? <laughs> well. Did they pay him three million dollars and he never showed up in uniform on the sideline? Right. That's what I'm saying. Like, it, like they paid him. They paid him that much money to just sit on IR. And it, and <laughs> yeah. And and they signed him to go on IR. <laughs> you know, well, it practiced... wasn't like oh they. Well, signed here's him and here's something... a, I have his timeline. All right, I have his timeline because I researched it. He practiced the week of the San Diego game. Well, the Los Angeles game, Chargers, yeah. right. Then he practiced the week of the Bills game expecting to play in the Packers game. Play in quotations, as in he was going to be in uniform for the Packers game, possibly playing at right tackle. Because if you remember going into the yeah, Packers was, game, they had some injuries. I, I, I believe he was going to start. I believe he was going to start. Yeah, he was going to start in the Packers game. The week of the Packers game, he comes up lame with a calf injury. A week later, he is on IR. Yeah. Okay. And I was later told that that calf injury required rest and they decided, you know, it's this is an IR type of thing because you do not play through this thing because you will make it worse and you don't need surgery for it. You don't need rehab. You just need rest. And rest is what we don't have considering there's only three games left in the game in the season. All right. So he went on IR. Uh, I'm told there that he is one of the few players that, that have gotten that knock on on the door. Uh by the way, speaking of knock on the, knocks on the door, uh, Zach Thomas, we we haven't spoken about it, but he is in oh, the Hall God. of Fame. Yeah. Well, if you didn't choke up during that video where he found out from Jimmy Johnson, yeah, it was great. You and, don't and, have a, and, you don't have a heart. You and further heart. and further proof that Twitter is an awful, awful place, and you should give your three dollars a month to us instead to go on OnlyFans. Uh, are you aware that there's an enclave online? that is dedicated to making sure that everybody knows that Zach Thomas is not worthy of being in the hall of fame. Did you know that? Uh, I've heard of this. Yes. Okay. Well, there, there's a group, a very dedicated group that will bring out all of the metrics, all of them and their latest and, and, and the guy that their latest, their latest champion in all of this is Patrick Willis. That Patrick Willis now is getting screwed because Zach Thomas is in. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck them. (laughs) <laughs> exactly fuck them is exactly right so eric fisher should be on greg yeah, little be back greg little, I, I think, it, I think right greg little's gone greg little's 100 gone now this one's this is rough i'm gonna put you on the spot here michael dieter although simon said that you just you just you know push over across the table the con the one-year contract at the minimum and just tell him sign it <laughs> no I, I i don't think he's back um, really, I, Michael Dieter's not that, back. Not even on. Not even on that. Uh, that sliding the deal over at the table at the minimum, telling him, "Hey, just sign the thing." You know, uh, 
I mean, unless it's a sit, uh, no, I, I'm going to, I'm still going to say no on this. And I'll tell you why, because I think that they're with, with all of the turmoil and the injuries that they had at various points this year, mm. um, there were, there were opportunities to get him on the field if they wanted him to be. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they wanted him to be hmm. in the end, you know? And, and so, you know, I, I think he was here and he was serving a purpose and he was, you know, he was like, you know, uh, like he, he, he did, he, he, he functioned as the backup, which means that he never played a single snap, but, but um, I don't think they're going to do yeah, that. That again. was interesting. Wasn't it that they took a long-term long-term ish, Injury at left guard, six games is kind of a long-term injury in the season. And it never occurred to them to move Connor Williams to left guard and start Michael Dieter at center, right? Never, not once. Yeah. At, or, or even playing never, him at left guard. It also never occurred to them to move Michael Dieter over, even though he's played there before yeah, plenty in his career. No, they called up Robert Jones. They said, Robert, it's your job now. Yeah. Um, you know, they had they had Lester, they had Lester Cotton. <laughs> Lester, Lester Cotton, Cotton played a playoff game with he Toronto started a playoff, him the he played a playoff game 71 snaps <laughs> with Toronto okay. Armstead telling him every play before the place that and if you don't think do and this. if you don't think that says something about Michael Michael Dieter then I don't know what to tell you <laughs> yeah great point last two guys that we got to talk about Brandon Shell Kendall Lamb uh Simon's on the Kendall Lamb train he, he wants to take a longer look in camp Brandon yep. Shell, um, give or take. I have no opinion on either one. I think they have to they have to upgrade upgrade that spot. Uh I, I talked to Simon about this. We talked about this plenty on OnlyFans. I think they can afford it. If the Eagles could afford it, we can afford it. Eagles have the most expensive book and tackles in the league. We're spending money on Taron Armstead. If you look at his contract, it's either it's rather team friendly. Go and spend some money. Go get the the right tackle. That immediately makes your offensive line much much better. You got four you, guys you can trust. Are Are you trying to tell? Are you trying to suggest that we get Lane Johnson somehow? Something no? something similar or a facsimile thereof. Or oh, okay. A so you're saying go ahead and spend, spend money on it. Spend money on a right tackle. If okay. it's McGlinchey, fine. McGarry, fine. But spend money on it. Yeah, and it'll have to be the right guy though. Yes. But first, and, your thoughts and, on those two, uh, Brandon Shell, Kendall Lamb. Brandon Shell, no. Um, I think that uh, you know, thank you for your service. You, you, you know, thank you. Thank, we'll always have thank, that thank, that thank Bills you. game. He was good in that Bills game. I don't think they'll say anything other than thank you. They'll just say thank you, <laughs> and um, and that's it. Um, you know, nothing against him. Thank you. Uh, so, but uh, and then uh, Kendall Lamb, you know. Simon was big on him, uh, and and he did you know play well well and and limited him out. Um, yeah, I'm curious about him too. Uh, maybe that maybe that's the guy that you're talking about. That's like you know we're just gonna hand you and we're just gonna hand you a number. Go ahead and sign it. You know, yeah. Like maybe maybe that's that that guy. I don't know, but um, but yeah, I I think I think it's I think there's there's room here. I mean, it wouldn't it honestly wouldn't shock me if the answer at that position is eric fisher like competing with existing assets aka austin jackson which would depress me <laughs> but 
Um, but at the same time, you know, it wouldn't it wouldn't po- it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest if it's like, you know, hey, let's you know, let let's let the obvious thing be the obvious thing and the obvious thing being Mike McGlinchey. Yes. Um, you know, and everybody just everybody shits all over him and I guess that, you know, fine, but uh he's not Trent Williams uh and he's playing he's playing opposite Trent Williams, so it's going to look even worse. Um, but you know, I think that I think that he he's such a creature of the system. Um, he's such a perfect operator within the system, and and I think that if you're if you're trying to like silo the pass protection versus the run blocking, um, and and be like, well, you know, and this is where I think people make the mistake with Jawan Taylor is, you know, he's a strong pass blocker. I'll I'll, I'll admit that, but that doesn't mean he's a system fit, and it's not because. You know, oh, the run blocking. You know, we we can do fine with run blocking. It's it's not it's not siloed like that. I think in this system, this is very integrated between run and pass, and um and you know, I think you need the brains for it. I think you need the 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 playing style for it. And if you look at Jawan Taylor play, uh, he just doesn't on the most basic levels, just on a movement basis, you know. How is he moving? How often is he moving? How much is he moving? Which directions are is, is he moving? Like it, he plays nothing like this system, and um, no. and and so that's that could be one of your one of your you know classic mistakes of signing a guy to big money uh, and asking him to do something different, and then it's like, oh wait, you mean we have a we have a worse player now because we asked him to do something different. Yeah, the um, sign, a signing of Jawan Taylor just signals, hey, we're throwing it forty times a game again. <laughs> yeah, well, basically, and if that's what they want to do, because you know, because we have Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, whatever, okay, fine, I, I guess. But, um, but you know, I that's that's why I question that a little bit. Um, yeah, when people ask me what does Jawan Jawan Taylor has pass rushing chops and not much else, he does not get out on the second level. He's not that's a, right. He's not very good. Even blocking one on one. That's right. I would pay attention to Cameron Fleming a little bit. I would pay attention to mm-hmm. Billy Turner a little bit. You know, this is going back to the Butch Butch uh Butch. Cameron Barry Fleming thing. is is actually a blast from the past. Uh Chris Greer yep. tried to trade for Cameron Fleming in a very uh previous regime under Adam Gase, actually. Yeah. And and I would pay attention. I mean or technically Wiley. that was that was Mike Tannum of them that tried to, to and, trade Andrew for Wiley. Him. Andrew Wiley is a free agent, is he not? Um, yes. you know, and so I would pay attention to him. Um, but you know, those guys, Tom Compton's an interesting, I mean, he's old, but mm. man, did he play, he played, he played all right when he needed to play a whole year in San Francisco system for in place of Mike McGlinchey. Um, so, you know, maybe, and that was the year Butch Berry was there. So I, I, I don't know, like, you know, maybe, I don't know outside. You have outside your doubt, you have your doubts on this guy, but uh, you know, I, and I know we're, we're all of a sudden doing a free agency show on the offensive line, but yeah, very, right, right. very briefly on George Fant, uh, this is a guy that's played very well at left tackle, played right tackle. I like that versatility. He seems like an adult to me. I wouldn't mind. I, I wouldn't mind him if, if it came down to it. I just don't think he's trustworthy. I don't think he's trustworthy in a lot of ways. You know, and I don't think he's trustworthy in a lot in um in in terms of injuries. I don't think he's trustworthy playing a right tackle position. Um, yeah. I don't think, you know, I I just I, yeah, I think he might be one of those guys. I think yeah, he might be one yeah, of those guys it is, that worked well in a certain spot, and then it didn't work anywhere else. Yeah, his his biggest problem is that his is uh his claim to fame are those fourteen games at left tackle where he was stellar, right? Yeah, right. And, and he never had that at right tackle. 
All right. And, and, and that, you know, yeah, essentially, essentially. And, and that's, I don't, I don't trust him. Moving on to the tight end group. Uh, Mike Kosecki, obviously none of us agree that he'll be back. Um, yeah, I doubt it. But we did this exercise. We had a hard time with it. Can you put him anywhere? You you mean like who's gonna who's gonna sign him? Yeah, because uh, he's getting some press. It's obviously his his agent. <laughs> okay. Yeah. okay, but well, he's, no, getting, I, I he's getting national I press. Would not be surprised. I honestly would not be surprised if there are teams out there that that have him as a fan or that that are fans of his. By the way, a PFF uh, puts him out there as the third ranked tight end, number one Dalton Schultz, number mm-hmm. two Irv Smith. Remember that name? Number two is Irv Smith. Yes. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Do you know? Do you know? Former do you know, many, of Hello, a do you know, do you know, know what percentage of snaps he played this year? Yeah, I know he was a backup this year, and he's number two. Yeah, and not only was he a backup, but uh, his team traded for Hawkinson to further push him down down the line. Okay. So, so those of you out there that are that are Irv Smith fans, you know, I don't okay. know what to tell you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. You don't know where to place Mike Gesicki? I was thinking Detroit. I don't know. I don't know for sure where, um, you know, I don't know. Could he go to, could he go to green Bay? If, uh, if they keep Aaron Rodgers? possibly, possibly yeah, Robert Tanyan, you know, despite his reputation is not, you know, he's not an inline guy. They could use Mercedes to, Lewis for the inline work. Could he go to the Raiders? If the Raiders get Aaron Rodgers. Now this is, uh, this could work out. Okay. Because the reason Foster Moreau has, uh, you know, the reputation that he does have is that he plays with Darren Waller and a lot of 12 personnel. Yeah. And, and he gets to make some flashy plays. Personally, look, I, I put the tape out there. Okay. These are limited opportunities. And whenever you have a tight end running for a 58 yard touchdown, okay, after he catches it for 12 yards, you got to take notice, especially when he's doing it at 6'4, 260 pounds. Right. Okay. I like Foster Murrow a lot. I get it. But, um, now, what I'll say about that, though, is, uh, you know, well, first off, Waller, keep in mind, Waller played, what, less than half the, the year? Yeah, so um, Moreau got added opportunities in the past. Yeah, year. so Moreau got added opportunities because of that. But what I think that people don't understand about Waller, because they know, you know, they have a sense of his background and, and stuff like that, is um, is I don't think they realize how much in-line play he really did um in previous years and previous systems uh like he was he was a you know like a a, a 70 percent inline guy mm-hmm. you know eight or actually what, what is this um the actual the actual figure is yeah 60 percent something like that he was he was in line he was used in line a lot and um and now this year you know he he, he did he wasn't in line as much this year uh he was more in the slot and and out wide but I think that was that had something to do with Foster Moreau's, you know, um, I guess profile um, as as the number two. Uh, what if you what if you have Mike Gesicki there? Because Mike Gesicki is is not an inline guy. He's not an inline guy. He's a move. He's a move tight end, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You could get Darren Waller back as an inline guy, and then have Mike Gesicki as a move tight end. And it's like you know what an offense you could potentially have with between between Darren Waller, Mike Gesicki, and Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro. You know what I mean? Like so, yep. I, I, I it's 
something that might tantalize people, especially if Aaron Rodgers is coming. All right, another free agent in the tight end position. It's uh, Adam Shaheen. Any any thought to him coming back or? I haven't, I haven't really given that much thought about him to Adam Shaheen in, in, in quite a while. <laughs> <laughs> well, he opted for surgery a week into camp. So yeah. that cut his season short. But he is a free agent. He is out there. He should be cheap. Yeah, I, I doubt it. It's a pretty barren group. Yeah, I, I tend it. to agree. I don't think that we're missing anything on Adam Shaheen. Uh, Stephen yeah. Carter is actually under contract, but he's an easy crazy, cut. crazy. Okay, now here's where it's going to get kind of interesting. What are we doing with Tanner Connor? Because when asked to make a play, he was the opposite of Cedric Wilson this year. Yeah, uh, I still go not. back to that Jet game early in the year. Scores nineteen seventeen. It is third and long, and Skylar Thompson delivers one of the few dimes that he delivered all year. The ball hits Tanner Connor right in the chest. Like a 25-yard gain, it would have put him down to somewhere around the 18, 16-yard line going in. As it turned out, that game, you know, was kind of important because we would have clinched the week early. He dropped it. Uh, he had many, he had no other moments in, in the season. He was actually a, a bad player. Yep. So he gets practice squad duty, obviously, right? Like, uh, no. Impressed. No, I don't think he's practice squad. Um but I, I, I do think he's actually here. Um, and I would caution against, uh, we were just talking about, him. we were just talking about, um, good old, good old Darren Waller, who was uh, a wide receiver at uh, Georgia tech, um, mm. when he came out and, you know, which is where Ta- Tanner Connor was. Um, you know, what? do you know what, uh, Darren Waller did as a rookie? Mm. Play special teams. Two catches for 18 yards. <laughs> yeah yeah that, so that's... i'm I'm just i'm just telling you you know just because we're all like ah get rid of him yeah that's it <laughs> you know like yeah, I, he I just had a very coach. high profile bad moment <laughs> I, I i don't know the coaches actually and darren waller by the way was sixth rounder so it's not a, not as if he's you know a ballyhooed player um so i i think that uh i think coaches don't think quite like that i think that they see something in tanner connor and they're gonna they're gonna see how it comes along like he he was he was always gonna he's kind of fairly new to football period um in addition to being new to the position and uh i think they're gonna they're gonna see they're gonna see how that goes they're they're gonna they're gonna take this year as a write-off and you know yeah he wasn't ready for it we shouldn't have expected him to be ready for it. To be honest, where he came from. All right. Um, so yeah, no. Nope. Hunter Long had some decent blocking tape toward the end of the year. Um, uh, he's he's skeptical. been an afterthought for such a high draft pick. Uh, this is his his shit or get off the pop year, obviously, right? Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, because <laughs> he's not going to get much. He's not going to get much longer. <laughs> yeah. And Durham Smythe is the one reliable performer that we have in in this in this group, and uh, I figure he has his very familiar tight end two spot for next season. Agree? Yeah, he's a hundred percent back. He is going to be counted on. Um, you know that guy. That guy was playing. <laughs> people don't realize what they asked him to do sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, um, that guy was playing one on one. You know. Against like Nick Bosa and Greg Rousseau, yeah. Watch him against Greg Rousseau against the he was Buffalo playing, Bills. And he, I'm talking about like like offensive tackle work. Yes, 
<laughs> you know, they, they asked a lot of him that way. And, uh, and it was because Miami needed to bail out their offensive tackles more than any other. This is, this is a true statistical fact. Um, they needed to bail out their offensive tackles more than any other team in the league. Um, by a long, by a good margin. Uh, and, and of course that wasn't Teron Armstead. So, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, um, so, and, and because of that, you know, that they, they asked a lot of Durham Smythe and, um, yeah, he's bad. He, 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 I'd be, I'd be shocked if they didn't have a higher opinion of Durham Smythe than we all do. Mm, I absolutely agree. So you agree with me about two, two new names to this group, I would say. Um, De- depending on what they think of Hunter Long. I don't know. I could, I could, I mean, we're talking final roster, final 53 man. Yeah, final I, wouldn't be man. Only, I wouldn't be surprised if it's only one one new name. I mean, we got Mike Gesicki and uh, Adam Shaheen leaving. Adam mm-hmm. Shaheen didn't play all year. Um, he wasn't on the roster all year. I, I wouldn't mm-hmm. be surprised if it's just one one new guy. Yeah, and have you ever seen John Lovett in, in person? He's he's giant, so he could play the Seathan Carter role, whatever Seathan Carter was planning on playing. Hey, so, well, Seathan Carter didn't even play the Seathan Carter role. So, huh. <laughs> yeah. So, John Lovett could be, although it is interesting that Seathan Carter started the season playing snaps. So, so there's a he reason did. he got concussed, is because he was playing. So, they had a role for him somewhere. All right. And I guess we could finish up right here. Place kicker. Simon says, go find a guy, compete all offseason. Uh, I say, you know, if you really have a guy earmarked, don't play the, you know, the UDFF game with with everybody else, the UDFA game, the UDFA game with everybody else. Just just use your seventh round draft pick on that mm-hmm. kicker if he is out there. Um, but we both agree, um, Jason Sanders needs a buddy all off season, and we'll see who is the place kicker on opening day. You agree? I'm a pass on this one. <laughs> this is beyond my pay grade. Special teams, I never, I, I never really have a great handle on that. So, huh. so Jason Sanders did enough, huh, to 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 reinvigorate your your faith in him going forward. <laughs> Not really, but <laughs> he's really expensive. He's really expensive. We could use that yeah, money I on mean, somebody else. You know what I mean? Ultimately, I think you're right. Probably that's it. But I mean, I I, I honestly, honestly. Most of us would have had them firing Danny Crossman, right? The special teams coach. Yeah, and he's still here. Um, and he's still here. Uh, so, you know, what do we really know here on the special teams front? That's what I'm saying. And, you know, what do we think we know versus what do we really know? And oh, what we do know is that Jason Sanders be- has become extremely unreliable from 50 yards plus. No, well, yeah. Well, and that's a component that you kind of want. Yeah. And if you well, saw this the two and if you saw the the two finalists, in fact, forget the two finalists, the four semifinalists, all four of them had uh, monster kickers, the best kickers in football, really. If you had to rank the four best kickers in football, I think you end up with Robbie Gould, Jake Elliott, Buckner, and McPherson. And yeah, that's a that's a that's a that's a coincidence. <laughs> you think it's a coincidence that the best four? We're talking kickers... about kickers, idiot kickers. <laughs> Well, uh, you know, I would just like to see my guy hit 50 yarders once again. That's all I want. Yeah. Idiot kickers. That's awesome. Okay. Because I think, I believe we missed six of them. That's 18 points. That's a lot of points. 
Yeah. But oh well. I guess we'll end it right here. The next time we talk to you guys, we'll break down the defensive roster, which actually is in a little bit better shape and less work to do. Because if you look it over, you know, it's essentially in the secondary and a couple of linebacker spots, but they do have a lot of free agents. Okay. Mm-hmm. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve guys that got a lot of snaps last year. Our free agents on the defense side of the ball. We'll talk about it on Thursday. We'll see you then. Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider. 